Welcome back to the Egg Makers Podcast for episode four. Here, I ask how do makers relate to the tools and materials they use and how does it shape their process? I'm your host, Michael James, and this podcast is part of my thesis research through Royal Roads University. For more information about this project, please visit theyegmakers.com. In this episode, I visit with Carrie from Two Carat Studio. She's a local silversmith that makes incredible jewelry from start to finish. Her work can be found online and in markets around the Edmonton area throughout the entire year. To see images of the ring Carrie made and her process, please visit her page on theyegmakers.com or follow the project on social media at the Yegmakers. Um, I've always been one of those dabblers in different crafts and things and my grandpa had a workshop that I would play in when I was little so he would hand me a bunch of wood and some nails and things and I would create things. He taught me how to use the tools um, and so I've always done something with my hands yeah. and then when I got back into doing some kind of craft this one just spoke to me because I could do that with those tools and yeah, it's just really neat seeing what you can come up with from a raw piece of plain old silver. I'm going to be working on a couple of rings today. Okay, why did you pick a ring? Uh, it's all of the different steps that are involved in it. It's one of those multi-step things that I have to not only think creatively, but also have to wrap my, around my head around the construction of it okay. as I go. Um, this one I'm starting from scratch. Um, oh, okay. So I'm using metal that I'm going to mill down a little bit um, to do the band. Um, and go from there. So what kind of metal is it? This is sterling silver. This uh -huh. is 16 gauge sterling. I like to buy the um, heavier gauge stock because I can roll it down with the mill. Okay. So it's more efficient when I'm getting it shipped. It comes in 12, um, 12 by 6 pieces. Yeah. I get more metal that way. Is there a reason you start with, are you, it's stainless you said? Sterling. Sterling. Yeah, so what's sterling silver. Sterling silver, why Why would you select sterling silver? Uh, what is, what's about it that speaks to you? Um, I've always liked the white metals, and that's how I got started in this. The very first thing I learned how to make is I wanted to make a ring. So I took a class, and oh. that was my first project ever. So what's the first step? Uh, first step, I'm just going to cut it down a little bit because this is a lot of metal to heat up. It won't heat evenly with the torch that I have. Okay. So I'm just going and to... just using a big shear. Yep. So that's the piece that I'm going to use here. And then I want to anneal it. So what is annealing? Annealing is the process of uh, softening the metal. Um, so you're not melting it or doing anything like that. You are just relaxing the crystalline structure in the metal okay. so that it's more open and open to being manipulated. So the interesting thing about um, smithing is you have to be pretty ambidextrous. So when you're using your torch, it's always in your non-dominant hand. Oh. So if you have to do any manipulation of the metal with tools uh, or, gotcha. or other things, you've got your good hand for doing that. This is a pretty pretty thick piece. So when I like, I'm seeing the sharpie disappear. Yep. So that's the starting to tell starting you that it's getting hot. Getting hot, and then I. And can what are you looking for? Um, it gets a kind of a dull red glow. Still a pretty big piece. I'm using an annealing pan here. This um, it's just pumice in the bottom here. It helps okay. hold the heat. So you can see how there's a little bit of a red glow there. Yeah. It's getting close. I'm going to do this one a little bit longer than I normally would because it's so thick. A lot of times I work with 18, but I happen to have a sheet of 16. So. Gotcha. And 18 being smaller, obviously. Yeah, a little Higher bit number smaller. Yep. yep. I didn't realize I had a crack in this metal, so I'm yeah. just going to trim it. And we may have to do the other sheet. Yeah. 
annealed metal doesn't cut nicely. Oh, interesting. So, okay, so let's talk about that really quick because yeah. that's really interesting. So, the first time you cut it, mm -hmm. it's like it was cut like butter. Yep. You anneal it, and so what? What changed there with the material? So that crystalline structure in there, the metal's a little bit floppier. So I'll use this one because so you can actually bend it now, whereas we feel this piece, you can't do anything to it. Oh, okay. So why is it harder to cut? Because it is so rubbery? Because it, it's got more give, and so the oh, blade okay. needs something hard and sharp um, uh, to go through. So okay. when you're doing anything, any cutting operations like uh, the shear or using the um, the whole cut, the disc cutter, or even sawing, you want to have sharp, okay. hard metal. Okay. So that's what happened there. Very cool. So, all right. So this will probably just be the back plate to start. So in making a ring, um, mm -hmm. you start with your setting first because um, all of that, um, there's a bunch of different steps in there, so I have to make a back plate for it. This is too thick for a back plate. Okay. So that's where I'm going to roll it down. Okay. And what? tell me what you're doing here. So this is a rolling mill. Hardened steel plates on it, um, the, the rollers. Mm -hmm. And I'm just seeing how this fits in here. So you want the rollers to meet, and you want to do a few passes. You can get a few in before you have to anneal again. So that changes the way the material works. Yes, like so this hardens it again. Oh, okay. And there's a point where you can, like with wood, you know, you feel yeah. it feels different. Oh, yeah. You've changed your... <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Um, so... Made it to thinner, get thinner, but yeah. it's definitely stronger, and you got to anneal it again. Yeah. I might actually use a different piece of metal altogether, because we... Oh, it cracked That's good points in here. This stock in particular is old. Oh, okay. I was approached at the Strathern Art Walk by a gentleman who was clearing out um, an estate. Oh, okay. And I was able to buy some um, some silver, actually a lot of silver. Yeah. And that particular stock was refined in the 70s. Hmm. So, so uh, how does the age change it, though? Um. Just the different processes. Moisture. I think they're maybe a little oh. bit not quite as exact and precise because they're not using computer. It would have been all done by gotcha. weight when they're doing the alloy. With the computer, they right. can do a little bit more in terms of how pure is the silver they're working with and the copper. Right. Um, so we're going to use this okay. instead. Cool. I mean, you've, you, you've got a torch here, mm -hmm. which is obviously a important piece to what you're doing. Like when you look for a torch, is it just get me the most cost efficient torch or is there s or qualities you're looking for it? Um, I think with any tool, um, there's things where you can get away with that maybe you're only a one-time use or you're only using it occasionally. You don't need to spend all the big dollars on it. Mm -hmm. But I like to buy the best tools that I can because right. I, for the ones that I use frequently, you would just end up replacing them. So yeah. in the long run, it it's cheaper to buy um, the best you can yeah. do. Uh, I use acetylene with ambient air. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of silversmiths use a slightly different torch, um, which is uh, propane and oxygen, mm -hmm. and it's really tiny. Um, I've worked with one a little bit, but this is what I've learned on and I'm comfortable with. So, so I've got a comfort, obviously, yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of like your rearview mirror. It's adjusted just right. So right. this works for me. Um, Here's a weird question. What if somebody came in to use your torch? <laughs> my husband is a plumber, <laughs> and he borrowed my torch once to fix something in the house, and the handle was never quite right again. <laughs> so he's not allowed so don't to use touch my your torches. Tools. <laughs> yeah, he's not allowed. So this is where I get to decide because this one's going to be for me. For what? For me when it's all done. Okay. How wide I want my band to be. And that's a personal thing. 
Um, yeah, yeah. I like, like I like a big chunky ring. Um, yeah. You can see the one that I've got on right now. Some people like a smaller one. You also have to balance out. This is this is the stone yeah. that I'm going to be using. Which oh is wow! A big, so that's going to be on your. Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it's cool. my my big statement ring. This is about as wide. The one that I have on my thumb right now. Yeah. I don't want to go as wide as that. Now I could cut this out with the saw, but I have this here, so. Oh, that makes I, sense. I choose not to. So in that case, you're choosing the easiest route, which... Easiest, but also it means less cleanup for me. Oh, okay. Straighter line. Straighter line. It's also knowing your tool, too. Like, metal tends to curve on these. Okay. And so I've worked with it enough that I've got a little bit of filing cleanup, but not much. Right. So I've got a clean edge here and a clean edge here, whereas with yeah. the saw, you can waver a little bit. Yeah. So it's less cleaning to do. And then this will be... The back plate, so that'll only show underneath. Oh, okay. Oh, the, it'll go on the back of the stone. Yeah. So the bezel, which is the um, wire that goes around to yeah. pressure fit the stone in, so you won't see that on the back. It'll just okay. be, just be there for me. Cool. So do you have any tools that are like, um, you know, have a history or a meaning to you? Yeah. Um. Then, right behind you on the bench there, that ratty old hammer here. This was from my grandpa's workshop. Oh, okay. I use this for stamping. Um, it used to have more handle on it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Much longer. Oh. <laughs> Too long. Yeah. But it's nice and heavy, so I use it when I'm doing my stamping and stuff. Nice. Um, a lot of silversmiths will take all the, uh, like hammers and alter them and stuff. So mm. all I, the only alteration I did on this one was just that. Um, it's a little bit loose in there, but it's good for, for the stamping. Yeah. When my grandpa passed away, my dad, uh, for Christmas the year after he passed away, I'm caught up here, <laughs> um, gave me his, uh, his hammer as a present, uh, and that is my favorite thing. So it's at home. It doesn't get used in here. It's Oh, it's another hammer at home, not yeah, that one. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I went through his, we we're still finding stuff in his workshop. I was like, go up there, take a look and see what you found. So mm -hmm. I got that and a couple other things. But I just like it because I feel like he's here with me when I'm yeah. working on stuff. So special. I mean, it's not a great hammer, but it was his, so. Totally. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. How okay. goes the ring? The, go the ring. I'm going to anneal it again. Okay. Um, first, though, I'm going to put my maker stamp on it. Okay. And I like to do that while it's a little bit hard when the pattern is on there. Yeah. Um, if I do this while it's still a little bit hard, um, I'm not going to wreck the pattern. Okay. Jocelyn designed that for me. I made her oh, a, a cool. silver bead, and she did that for me. So that was... Where did two carrot come from? Uh, well, my name's Carrie. Mm -hmm. When I was little, apparently all I would eat was carrots. Oh. So my childhood nickname was carrots. But with silver or any kind of jewelry, there's two different carrot terms in jewelry making. Carrot weight for um, gemstones mm -hmm. and then carrot purity for gold. So oh. it's a little pun. How much are you responding, and this is a weird question, but I think you'll get it, um, to the material as it changes when you're, like, I, I see the way that you're tweaking, like really minor tweaks. It's minor, yeah. And it's almost like you're responding to however that material has kind of changed as you. Yeah, yeah, you do. I, it's not like you become one with the metal, but you know, it has a personality and you mm -hmm. know what um, moving it one way will do. Um, I don't know, it's hard to describe, but I, I know what you mean, yeah. you're right, it's just, there are some days where you're working with stuff and like the metal is just not working with you, so you move on to something else. Same thing with soldering. There's just days where the soldering gods are not with you yeah. and uh, you do other things that don't involve fire. Have you stopped learning? I know that's Never. a dumb question. Never. 
Never. A lot of people like to say, like, I haven't gone to school for this. Um, they'll say, oh, they're self-taught. But I think it's not it's not quite that because you're learning skills from somebody else that has learned these from someone else. So it's mm -hmm. all passed down. So I'm always, I like, call my, my education is self-driven because mm -hmm. I'm always wanting to find out new things. And my big thing is I, I like to take on projects I have absolutely no idea how to do. Um, no clue. I'm like, oh, let's try and figure this out. And those are the best ones because you, you make mistakes, but you also learn a whole bunch of stuff along the way. Do you ever, and I know I do this, um, along those same lines, because I do the same thing. You look for a project that you're interested in to try because it's got a challenge or a, or a certain technique that you want to learn. If you, do you ever, because um, I do this as well, find a tool or a piece of metal that you've never worked with and let that dictate a new project? Um, a lot of times, like if I'm taking um, workshop classes from, from my teacher, mm -hmm. she will bring in something that she's used before that none of us have. So we'll try out a new technique using that. Um, or I'll try out a tool and then that is something I decided, hey, I could really use that. But it, it, it would fit, it has to fit in your yeah, regular Yeah, it has to fit into process. what I would usually use. But sometimes, it's, uh, I don't know, it's, it's a little bit of both. Yeah. yeah it's, there's a lot of steps involved in this. And I think once people see how that works, they understand why handmade and handcrafted things cost so much because Ooh. there's so much time and, and skill development involved in making that one little piece. Well, that's part of the reason I'm doing this thesis. And I love that you're doing that because the more people understand that and value it, I think the the more this maker economy will thrive. Um, what do you think people miss on the handmade side of things? Like why, like you've probably been in the same situation I have where somebody says, I would pay five bucks for that when it's something that you've priced for 50. Oh, that is, I think it speaks more to not the person, but just the society we're in. It's, we're this disposable, cheap, throwaway society where people are used to paying nothing for things because they don't have any value mm. either in the materials and, and how it's made or you know what the item actually means to them right so yeah I get that a lot but it depends on your audience too I mean I've learned that there's places to go sell where people just don't get it and then the ones that do you don't have to explain right. yes I made this they're like oh wow tell me how you made it yeah and I want to move more to that yeah yeah so. What range of products do you make? Um, I make earrings and necklaces and rings and bracelets. I like making earrings the most because I think it's the easiest piece of jewelry for someone to wear. It okay. always fits and someone can always find a style of earring that works for them even if they're not jewelry people. Yeah. Um, talk to a lot of people who work with their hands. They can't wear anything at work. Nurses, doctors, right. um, plumbers. My husband can't wear his wedding ring because mm -hmm. it's not safe or they have to take things on and off. So earrings are something that anyone can, can wear. Talk to me about your studio. Oh, like, I love this spot. Yeah? Because you're just new to here. I moved in in July. Um, Theo did the mural project at yep. Harvesty. And we worked, I, I helped her out with that. And she said, yeah, we've got a space. You should come take a look at it. I'm like, oh, I don't know. I'm okay. And I was having lunch downstairs at Juniper one day. And she's mm. like, come on upstairs. I came up. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So I pretty much said yes that day, got the keys, and started moving my stuff nice. in. So and what speaks to you about this place? 
just the creative energy out there. Um, there's a bunch of us here. So Dean, um, I showed you his, mm -hmm. his lamps and stuff. He's just a really cool character. Um, Theo's projects, I get to watch like from when she's doing her sketches to people coming in to work on the mural project. Um, we have so much light. Yeah. I was in the basement before. So to come into this space, which is light on three sides mm -hmm. and it's full of creative artsy stuff is just, it feels good. Like Has it changed your work? Yes. How? Um, two things. The creative freedom in a space like this where I'm not interrupted, but also um, because I acquired all that metal this summer, um, I'm able to express myself creatively, but I've got a little bit more freedom material-wise because I got such a good collection of different things whereas a lot of times if I was ordering materials it was okay I know I need this much of this this much of that I can just open the drawer and make stuff right. and I'm in the space where it's already like creative yeah um, it's it's pretty cool that's awesome yeah I love it the other thing sometimes I measure and other times I just wing it and then you have well sometimes you just got to go off a piece that's a, that's a big thing in woodworking is do you measure or do you go off you take like, in essence, measuring right from the piece itself. Yeah. Like you're using a stone as your kind of your setting. Yeah. Which is an organic piece. So to me, I would just go off the stone. What made you choose a stone? Um, Labradorite is one of my favorite stones. Um, it's one of Can Canada's stones. So a lot of that is mine. In Labrador, it's so light. It's it's light, but the it's the colors in it that get me. I yeah. just love love the flash in those. So that. So being part of the kind of the maker movement as you have been for what you've been <laughs> seven or eight years now. Um, selling this is I'm going into year five. Okay. But making like I've been doing this for a long time. Yeah. What what do you want? people that are not part of the maker movement to know and what do you want people who are interested in getting involved with the maker movement to know what do people need to know um, I'd love if people would understand the hours that go into this and how mm -hmm. we none of us get paid what we should for the hours that we put into this mm -hmm. um, so n having people value our time that goes into it I think would be important and the way that I've tried to do that is um, my, um, I try to share my process as much as possible. So I'll right. bring stuff to, um, to a market and I'll work on little things. I can take my tiny anvil and a couple of um, pieces to work on that I can do there without a torch. Oh, okay. Uh, on my Instagram, I love to share process shots to show people, you know, here's the step. It starts with this. This mm -hmm. is the pile of metal that this becomes. Mm -hmm. And then, oh, wow, this is cool. I had no idea how, how this worked. Yeah. Um, another way I do it is um, in my teaching, in my classes, it's all project-based. And I have students who'll come in who get completely hooked like I did, or they'll go, wow, I had no idea how long it takes to make a pair of earrings. Yeah. I really appreciate this now. Yeah. And then they buy more from handmade right. makers. Yeah. Um, for makers getting into it, I think just go for it. Don't be afraid of what other people think. Just do what makes you happy. Mm. But one surprising thing I discovered when I started doing this was the maker community is pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. There's so much support out there. Um, and I try to share that as much as I can. If people ask stuff or want advice on, you know, which markets to try or where should I take classes or where can I buy materials? I share all of that. Um, I don't, there's no point in playing keep away with it. Like just, 
be generous with my time and my information and it, it's all come back to me too like someone did that for me so I can do that for someone else yeah. it's definitely a trait of the of the maker community is to share and yes improve the community itself yeah and there's a few people that play keep away and like, they're just not very happy people yeah oh, exactly. they're not very confident in their craft and I, I can get that well and, and we all buy from each other too and yeah. not to steal each other's um, ideas or work it might be to appreciate someone's technique or craft this is I bought bronze this week <laughs> um, it's you know in, in support of what they do but also to own a piece of their creativity is pretty neat yeah for sure Thank you for listening to the Yag Makers podcast. If you'd like to know more about Carrie, her work, or this project, please visit theyagmakers.com or follow me on social media at the Yag Makers. Tune in next time when I chat with another Carrie from It's a Quilty Life. She takes on the traditional work of a quilter but adds more of a modern twist, and her work is second to none. Please join me next time.